welcome to the podcast of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard. We are training coaches and coaching leaders because we know that only healthy hearts can know God deeply and follow Him fully. Because we care and we want you to reach your full potential, we coach you to choose life-giving reactions to the warning lights that show up on the dashboard of your life. In this episode of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, I'm going to continue to unpack your very first session with a new coachee. In our previous podcast, we cover the most critical aspects of that initial sit-down, helping helping them um, uh, relax and get comfortable and feel safe and feel loved. We discussed the importance of listening to their life story, and, and I walked you through the ins and outs of note-taking. <clears throat> that was numbers one through four, so we'll pick up there today uh, number with number five and continue our discussion. So five is... Watch for avoidance, minimization, and justification. Regarding uh, their story, beware of people who sum up their childhood in a single sentence or two. That's, a, that's a, often a sign that they're consciously or unconsciously holding something back. They, they will often say something to the effect that their childhood was pretty eventless. You know, that they had fared great parents and that what they experienced probably was not out of the ordinary. So be warned, it's amazing the level of abuse and horror that people will characterize as usual, normal, or ordinary. That's just the way everyone has to deal with it, is a familiar refrain. They believe it because it is all they know or because they've told themselves that to help them cope. You may have to help them um, relay to you greater details by asking specific and probing questions about their childhood um, after they have finished their story in 90 seconds flat. Another important thing to listen for in, in, in the same vein as we've been following here is the common use of justification to dismiss behavior that has hurt them. When someone goes to the trouble of excusing a parent, parent guardian, or, or whoever by explaining all the reasons why they should not be held accountable for the wounds they created, uh, you know you have discovered a place where healing is needed. It's almost all, it almost always means that forgiveness and other means of you know, processing wounds in a healthy biblical way has not occurred. They did not know any better. They did the best they could. If, they, if, if you knew how they were raised, um, there were all these mitigating circumstances. On and on people will go. Understandably, if there are apparently good reasons why they should not have been held accountable for the offense and wounds they caused, well, then you really can't forgive them because they did nothing wrong. See the problem of justification? The justification has exonerated them, in fact, in a screwy twist of understandable but diabolical reasoning. The victim may even feel guilty for having caused the offender um, of wrong, <coughs> of having accused the offender of wrong, since the one who wronged them were once victims themselves. Did you get that? Sorry, I coughed in the middle of that. <coughs> the justification that has exonerated this person, okay, in fact, in a screwy twist of understandable but diabolical reasoning, um, it's encouraged by the attack of the enemy, the victim may even feel guilty for having accused the offender of wrong, since the ones who wronged them were once victims themselves. Sorry, trying not to cough here. <coughs> they may conclude that they, the victim, are the one who is wrong and not the abuser, attacker, or offender. What a prison. What a diabolical trick that is. Until we can admit we were wronged and the, and the person was wrong for whatever reason, what's to forgive? How do we escape a prison made by unforgiveness if we explain away all reason to forgive? 
And in case you're wondering, because the person who inflicted it did not mean to, it does not make the wound go away or invalidate the hurt created, okay? Because the person who inflicted the wound didn't mean to, it didn't intend to, it wasn't intentional, it doesn't make the wound go away, nor does it invalidate the hurt that they created. A wound is a wound. No matter the character of the wound giver, immaculate or horribly flawed, a wound is a wound. Emotions should be deemed immoral, neither right or wrong, just real. Saying that a person should not have felt a certain way or that the offender never meant to hurt them does not make the hurt magically vanish. So when they avoid details or, or meaningful reflection or minimize the wrong or impact of how they were tr uh, treated or excuse the offender, maybe even condemning themselves for being too sensitive or not making exceptions for the offender's own story, you, you know, you have found a source of their present relational dysfunction. All of that denial circumvents grieving and truth and forgiveness and leads to f lies, false guilt, confusion, and self-judgment. So five is watch out for avoidance, minimization, and justifications. Six is probe formative relationships and atmosphere. This is pretty self-explanatory and probably expected. Eventually, you have to ask about their relationship with their mother and father, find out how many siblings they have, where they are in the birth order, if they're holes, half steps, find out who actually raised them, just in case it was not mom or, or dad, but, you know, their siblings, or grandparent, aunt, uncle, foster parents, the latter of which has a whole set of unique implications that I won't dive into now. If you need to uh, help them fill in the details, ask about childhood relocations, death, holidays, celebrations, how their family emoted and otherwise dealt with trauma and death and change. And the point is not to the point is not to place blame necessarily, but to get the person in front of you to see, admit, and, and do something healthy and right with their painful past. You will grow in your ability to know what these things mean and how important this information can be. Uh, future coaching. Uh, training through these podcasts, conversations with other coaches and mentors, conferences, seminars, webinars, podcasts, and books it will also help you. All of that will help you learn where the clues to the heart's condition lie. It is never true that it is all the parent's fault to the neglect of personal responsibility. However, those early and critical relationships um, and the atmosphere in the home uh, will tell you a, a lot about how someone came to be the way they are. Uh, and, and rejection, neglect, abandonment, and all manner of wounding by parental fig figures and unforgiveness, hatred, rebellion, and, and, and all uh, self-doubt and response to them are under almost every adult dysfunction, okay? So however, those early and critical relationships in the atmosphere on their own, of home, um, whatever they look like, it's going to tell you a lot about how someone came to be the way they are. And, and rejection, neglect, abandonment, and all manner of wounding by parental figures helps, as well as unforgiveness, hatred, rebellion, and self-doubt. And response to them, they're under almost every adult dysfunction. It explains one initial formation and life trajectory, if not a still current and active force behind their thoughts, emotions, and choices. And let me say this again. We are not looking for someone else to place the blame so that uh, the person in front of you can be let off the hook. You know, some will probe into a person's past simply to explain to them why they are the way they are, believing that information alone will affect all the desired change. It may indeed help but it will not bring full and true freedom from the past control over the present. 
Uh, others proceed this way and completely absolve the Kochi from any responsibility for their present state. This, too, is a mistake. It's unbiblical and unhelpful, if not damaging. The truth about the past and how they were wronged must be stated. That will indicate the need for forgiveness and, and show that unforgiveness was their first sinful choice. Then we have the response to the wounds they received, beyond unforgiveness, even if in self-defense sin is sin. Two wrongs never have and never will make one right. This is hard teaching, especially if you're sharing it with someone you're counseling. If hatred was their chosen response or substance abuse or addictive habit or some sort of anesthesia or avoidance, it was probably sinful. Even when they uh, were given no guidance on how to process wounds in a godly way, their natural choice was still their sin. Uh, in fact, if they say, well, it was just a natural thing to do, Exactly. You do know it's sin because the natural condition of the heart is sinful. We will unpack that more and, and the apparent insensitivity you may have just heard or the injustice you feel in my words, but the help they need is loving truth, not well-meaning avoidance or lies. So <clears throat> sometimes we have to smile, do the best we can, tell them the truth, and uh, deal with how they respond to it. Number seven, test the waters with a tailored overview. So um, we have helped them relax, feel cared for and listened to, and we have heard their pressing problems, a bit of their life story, we've asked a few questions, fill in the gaps in the narrative, and uncovered the specifics of their family relationships. At this point, the conversation will become more yours than theirs. So direct your comments at an overview of the process we use, including the homework assignment. As you do, season your words with hope and encouragement. But you know, this is before you're diving into any help you will discover that many people thought that they would leave that first session all better. While you obviously realize that this expectation is unrealistic, unreal they do not. So as you explain the way forward to the help and healing they are looking for, make sure they know that God is more than ready and able to heal and deliver. Tell, her, tell them that even though their story is unique to them, and that you know their wounds are a big deal to them, to them that they are not alone in their fight. Many people before them have overcome similar wounds and odds to live meaningful and fulfilling lives under the lordship and deliverance of Jesus Christ. You can even share a small and short part of your story that mirrors theirs to give a first-person testimony to back up the hope that is available to them. So before diving right in, okay, you're making sure they understand a little bit about what we're looking at going forward and the process we're going to use. And this helps them kind of count the cost a little bit and see if how serious they are about playing a significant role in their own recovery. Just realize that the discovery that we have no magic wand, uh, that they will have to work for their own recovery, it may be off-putting to some. To, to others... Um, they just are not going to be ready at all for what you will outline to them. For example, they want to be better without forgiveness, or they will think they can simply forgive without ever considering their contribution to their current state. This is why I usually begin by outlining the process without too many specific details, so that they do not get overwhelmed. The process tells them what they will have to do, and I will often begin by making sure they realize that they have come to a spiritual coach, which means the help we offer will be spiritual and biblical in nature, strangely enough. Some have come, but they do not really want God's help. I will cover this in more detail in the next episode. Uh, 
I hit, so I hit the highlights of the process, emphasizing particular components that I think will give them needed perspective. For example, if they are not regular church attenders and do not serve anywhere or, go, or, or do not go to a small group, I'll highlight the fact that they need to do everything they can to put themselves in the best place to be healed by God. If they say nothing about God in their picture of a desired future, I fill in that blank as I share the process. If they have revealed a glaring sin in their life, I might suggest that beginning their move toward God by making that right, that, that, and confessing that thing, thing and dealing with God right there. If they have excused everyone in their story, I probably will come back to that and explain that they will have to be willing to look at their past differently with more honesty and truth if they expect to get well. This way, as I tailor the overview of the way we will move forward together, I've actually begun their coaching without them realizing that is what's happening. We're not trying to scare them off, but if, we, if they can be easily chased off, they may not be ready. Let's take a short break to give your brain a chance to rest. Did you know that this podcast is not the only resource that we have available to help you with your own relationship with God and your spiritual coaching efforts? TwoRivers.Church backslash life coaching, don't forget the hyphen, has dozens of tools and book links to help you in your life with God and your ministry to others. You can even sign up there to get spiritual coaching for yourself with Pastor Carrie, either in person or virtually. It's a work in progress and we'll be getting a facelift soon, but it's chock full of practical content to read, watch, and listen to. Wherever you choose to interact with Pastor Carrie online, please remember to rate, like, follow, and share so that other leaders and coaches can find this helpful content. If you would like to connect with Pastor Carrie, you can go to tworivers.church backslash lifecoaching, email him at carrie at tworivers.church, or text him on Twitter or Facebook by going to at SC dashboard. All right, let's finish today's episode of the podcast. up where we left off. Number five was watch for avoidance and minimization and justification. Uh, number six was probe the, you know, the formative relationships uh, and the atmosphere in their home growing up. Seven was test the waters with this tailored overview that I just described to you. Now eight is challenging, is challenge them to begin with a commitment. So after explaining the coaching process to them and testing the water slightly and before launching into the specifics of their homework, I will usually suggest that they take a key initial step immediately right there on the spot. This is where the next episode will come in again. Often what is needed is a theologically sound explanation of biblical salvation. Okay, that's what we're going to do in the next episode. If this is indicated, you will probably know by this point. If you do not know where they stand with God, ask. Often the case is that they have never bowed the knee to Christ or have gone back on their initial devotion to God. They may have never been told of the need, the, the, the need to you know, bow their knee, if you will, to his authority and lordship. If they have done both and feel they are currently in submission to Jesus, I'll ask them to, to pray and commit themselves to the healing process, to, to pledge themselves to fully and honestly disclose um, disclosure to obedience to the scripture's teaching and to whatever God may call them to in order to bring closure to their past. I give them something to do, something Godward, something distinctly Christian, something that commits themselves to the process. I will set the stage, help them feel they have made progress, take a step in the right direction, prepare them to follow through on their homework. <coughs> and speaking of homework, that is number nine. Um, I'm going to go lightly here because we have covered this in some previous episodes. 
I have at least two documents that uh, I want them to read. The first one simply explains how to spend more than just a few minutes in a conversation with God. Most have never done this and react to the thought with some fear and doubt. The second gives them some things to say to God when they actually do the homework. As I listen to them, explain the struggle that brought them in and, and to their personal story, I listen for a good place to begin with them. Um, when they get when we get to the homework. I explain the purpose of the homework, which I unpack in detail in Season 1, Podcast Episode 12. You're going to have to get that to understand fully all the dynamics behind the homework because it is key to our process. I ask them to get about an hour alone, undistracted with God, to hear what He will say to them about the issue I have directed their thinking to. Sometimes it is exactly what they complained about when they first began to talk. Oh. Other times, and more often, I end up redirecting them away from a symptom and towards a possible root cause for the undesirable reaction and destructive behaviors. Aim, that ask, aim them at asking God what lies hidden behind the struggle that defeats them. Make sure they do not obsess over the place I told them to begin with, you tell them to begin with. If God seems to direct them elsewhere, then they need to be willing to look elsewhere. The question is, God, what do you know that I need to know to be free from my past? Or you can fill in a blank there to, to, um, um, to be free from my anger, to be free from my addiction, whatever uh, you want to fill in that blank with for them. How quickly they get started with their healing now depends solely on them. And that is the next point. So the homework, in part, is, is so it gives them the control over how quickly we proceed. So number 10 is they set the pace. I encourage them to do the homework in the next week, and if not in the next couple days, and to contact me when they have finished it. I do not make a new appointment for them at the end of their first session. They need to know that they are responsible, that they will proceed at a pace they choose and are not dependent on my availability. Speed is based on how much effort they choose to put into it. I also encourage them not to struggle to do it for weeks or months without contacting me. Almost every time someone feels they have been unsuccessful and I ask what happened or, or what they heard, they have accomplished way more than they think. And I usually can ask them to go ahead and schedule a, their next appointment because they have told me enough or, or rather God's already given them enough to get started on. I, I remember a time when a guy told me um, that all he heard from God was one simple memory. I remember what that memory was, but it's personal, so I'm not going to give it here. But, but when I heard what it was, my heart was immediately grieved for him. And it was all that was needed to begin the healing process from that one horrific memory, um, which, by the way, he justified and minimized. Um, from that one horrific memory, from properly dis you know, discussing the pain, uh, a memory that they thought was probably nothing, their healing sprang. Make sure you write it down and, and know that. Make sure they write it down and know that you expect them to bring their notes with them the next time. It weeds out fakers. Just saying. Trust God to show you. Quote Jeremiah twenty nine. Uh, you can quote twelve, but especially twelve through thirteen or eleven, but especially twelve through four to the beginning of fourteen, and call them to trust both God and the process you have given them. A process that has already helped hundreds of people. On occasion, I will get a call from someone I've not spoken to for a year saying they finished their homework and they want to make another appointment. All right, your schedule does not set the pace. They do. <clears throat> Let's wrap up with number 11, forgiveness, which, again, we will unpack uh, in a couple upcoming, actually probably three upcoming episodes. Very often, normally in fact, usually in fact, I ask them to read my teaching on forgiveness. 
before I created that resource and was just starting out, I, I used to, to teach forgiveness in the coaching sessions. And that, however, takes a lot of time. It became very redundant. And um, um, then they also have nothing to take back with them and go back over. They have to remember everything you said. Everyone you coach will need to forgive someone, maybe even themselves or God. Um, I have actually had people move forward in a healthy way on their own once they simply had a biblical understanding rather than a cultural and cliche one of what forgiveness is and is not. They were willing to forgive once they understood the process and didn't really need any more help. We'll discuss how to talk about and lead another through um, needed forgiveness in those upcoming sessions. So there you have enough to take the dive, even though you may not think so. I hope you have someone to mentor you, but if not, you are going to have to, to learn the craft in, in a classroom or, or on your own. Launch with humility, not fear. With confidence in God, not anxiety over people's expectation. You know, I used to tell people that I still was still in training, and that actually took a lot of pressure off. Um, you are just two weary pilgrims walking together towards God, I would tell them. So they would understand that I was in process too. And you know, if they're coming in for pastoral coaching and they're not charging you anything, well then, getting handed someone that's in training, uh, what can they really say about that? Next time on the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard, we'll talk about something pretty obvious for spiritual coaches, and that is leading people into understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you heard something that got your attention, whether it be for your own relationship with God or for coaching others, don't waste the divine nudge. Be sure to take the time to think through how to work the truth into your life and practice. If you do spiritual coaching, either formally or informally, remember that it is hard to lead where you have never been yourself. We pray that God uses the spiritual coaching dashboard to inform and transform your life before it reaches another. If you are in the upstate New York area, specifically Binghamton, or are visiting or just passing through, look Pastor Carrie and myself up. We'd love to have a cup of coffee with you and chat about our dynamic relationship with God or about how to do spiritual coaching in your context. Again, thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on the podcast of the Spiritual Coaching Dashboard.